We are continuing in our Changed series. We're talking uh, about how the gospel transforms us and how it impacts all areas of our lives. When God comes in and he radically changes you, he doesn't just change one area of your life. He wants to overtake them all. And so we've talked about how he transforms us as individuals. We've talked about how he transforms families and the way we parent and the way he uh, transforms our marriage. And today we're talking specifically about how God and the gospel impacts the way we work. 85% of your week will be at work. 50% of your life will be spent working. And yet... Here's the crazy thing, and yet, too often, we don't hear anything being preached about the way we work and God's view of work. Actually, I was looking back at all of our messages. This is the first message we have ever preached specifically on work. And so, uh, man, just as I'm preparing uh, this message, I was thinking, God, we need to do a whole series on this. Because there's so much to learn about how to be good bosses and how to be good employees and, and what does work look like and is God concerned about it and, and what's the wisdom that we need in that workplace? Because if half of our lives is spent in this place, then I, I would think that we would want to see what God has to say about how we spend our time and how we spend our lives in that place. God so desires to use you at your work. Work matters to God and God matters to work. Let me just tell you right now, you're going to want to buckle your seatbelt because I have a lot to share with you. And uh, this is going to be definitely a note-taking message. Um, you should have received a note card this morning. If you got one, wave it, wave it at me just so I can you know, wave it around just like you don't care. Okay, that, wow. You could, man, that would, I would, that would really help me preach. If you just like, just do one of those, man, that would be awesome. That, see a couple of those. Just, just go, white boy. Just go. Get after it. Um, I just have so many notes. Uh, I was just, I was telling Lindsay last night because I've been wrestling with this message all week. And then last night I was just trying to, I tell her, the way I work is I just put everything on a piece of paper and I got tons of papers of all this stuff. And then I try to start pulling out the things that I don't need. And uh, this message was really hard to pull out things. There's just so much that was in there. And because we're only spending one week on it, I was like, you're going to drink from a fire hydrant today. Um, but I, there's just so many good stuff that I have. And, and so I, I pray that you take notes and then, and then probably you're going to have to go back and listen to this message again. Um, but when we talk about God in the workplace, a lot of times we have very disturbing images that come to mind when we talk when we, when we think about how does God want me to bring what happens at church and, 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 and be a Christian in my workplace, what does that mean for me? Does that mean like I need to go open up a coffee shop and call it Hebrews <laughs> or Holy Grounds? Where's Christy? That would be a good one. I just gave you a really good one right there. Does that mean that we just, we always say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays? Sneaking in, have a blessed day, you know, sneaking it in there. Does that mean that if you're making those awkward sales calls, you say, okay, now that I've sold you life insurance, how about insurance for life after death? How about I've got your name on our mailing list, but more important is your name in the land's book of life. Okay, we don't want to be awkward like that, okay? <laughs> Please don't do that. There's a true story. I want to share this with you because I thought this was absolutely hilarious and kind of cool, but kind of crazy at the same time. There was an American Airlines pilot in 2004 that went on a missions trip to, missions trip to Guatemala. He, he came back from the missions trip just fired up about Jesus, wanting to share Jesus with everybody. So he thought, you know what? I have a plane full of people that are not going anywhere and that I can do anything I want with. So after all the, nur oh, the nurses, I've been in hospital mode, after all of the, the stewardess and, and uh, flight attendants do all of their pre-service checks and announcements, he gets on the, uh, the speaker and he says this, how many of you on this plane are born again? This is true. This is a true story. How many of you on this plane are born again? Uh, if you are, would you please raise your hand? All the people that are born again Christians raise their hand. As they're raising their hand, he says, will you please keep your hand up in the air? He says, now for the rest of you, I am a born-again Christian, and I just came back from a missions trip from Guatemala, 
And if this plane went down in midair, do you know for sure what would happen to you if you were to die? If you're not sure, I would encourage you to talk to one of the people with their hands raised. They will be happy to tell you about Jesus. <laughs> Needless to say, he got fired. Can't do that. Can't do that. But I, I, I value his, his audacity there. That was awesome. See, the Bible actually has a lot to say about work. Most of us don't think it does, but how many of you know that Jesus' Jesus's first job was not a preacher or a teacher or a leader or a healer? His first job was a blue-collar carpenter. Right. Jesus worked. Worked with his hands. The majority of the parables that Jesus talks about are in the workplace. David was a shepherd before he was a king. Joseph was a lowly son that worked his way into the second highest ranking official in government. That's who Joseph was. He went through from the, from the pit to the palace. The apostle Paul had a calling to be an apostle, but he also made tents. Out of the 40 miracles in the book of Acts, 39 of them occurred outside of the church which tells me that God is more concerned with displaying his power outside the church just as much as he is inside the church. And guess how he displays his power outside the church? Through you. And guess where outside the church is? Your job. So I want to talk specifically today, and if you can take notes with me, that would be great. Uh, I want to talk about five ways the gospel impacts and changes the way we work. How does it change the way we work? Now, let me say this. I understand for many of you, you may uh, work a full-time job. You may work a part-time job. You may, may have no job. Maybe your job is to stay home with your children. How many know that's a full-time job? Um, give it up for all of our stay-at-home moms. I give it up for all of our single moms that have to work a job and then come home and work their other job. And so this message is going to speak to any job that you take, whether it's a at-home mom or it's a, a student at school or whatever, this is going to apply to you. So let's, let's get started because we got, we got some stuff to cover. Five ways the gospel changes the way we work. First one, write this down. Your work is your worship. Your work is your worship. Genesis 2 verse 15. It says this. This is the very beginning of the world. The Lord God took the man... And he put him in the Garden of Eden to what? Say it out loud with me. To what? To work it and to keep it. Adam worshiped God in the garden, not just by reading the Bible and praying and staying away from some really bad apples. Adam worshiped God by getting to work. See, Adam was going to worship God by not only walking with God, but working for God. And, and, and let me just say this real quick. If you, you go, well, uh, you know, I, I don't know if, if God really wanted to, you know, wanted me to work. And, well, th understand this. This was before the curse. This was before the fall. This was before the fall. God designed us. It was a part of his design to work. Work is not punishment. Now, I'll get to it in a little bit because it seems like punishment. But it's not punishment. God designed it from the beginning for it to be a part of our lives. It was designed to be worshipped back to him. The word work literally means to prepare or to develop. This was before the curse. So work was not punishment. It was something that God designed for us to do. And for some of you, work is a curse. For others of you, work is a God. But God made Adam and Eve to be a creator, to be a gardener. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm putting you in this garden, and you are to work it, and you are to keep it. You are to be a gardener. You are to make sure that everything is here is fruitful and plant and do the things. And, and this is what God's design was for Adam. God, God's design for Adam was not to be a park ranger. It was to be a gardener. There's a difference between a park ranger and a gardener. A park ranger guards something. A gardener tills something and creates something. And God's design from beginning with Adam and Eve was that they would be gardeners, that they would take the raw seed and soil and make beauty with it, and it would glorify God. It's the same thing that we all do in whatever jobs we are. A contractor takes raw materials of sand and concrete, and they make buildings. A artist takes raw materials of music and colors, and they create art. It's how God describes. Let, let me ask you this. How did... When God created all the, 
the planets and the earth and the water and the six days before he did man, he said that everything was what? What? Good. He said everything was good. And then he creates man and woman and he says it's what? It's very good. It's very good. Now, here's where I want you to see something. He said it was good. He didn't say it was perfect. There's a difference. There's a difference between something being good and something being perfect. Perfect means it cannot be improved upon. But God created a world that was in a good state, meaning that it could be developed and it could be cultivated more for his glory and for others' good. It was good, not perfect. Let me give you an example that maybe you can understand. Okay? My wife is sitting here, absolutely beautiful. She is perfect. Perfect. Perfect hair, beautiful dress, gorgeous makeup. She is perfect. Now, rewind two and a half hours ago to when she got out of bed. That's good. That's good. Okay, that's how we are. We are good. Not perfect. We're good. If you have a wife, she's perfect. She'll let you know that. Um, but some of you in your work, you, you feel a deep satisfaction like you're doing what you were born to do. The word vocation, it actually means this. The word voca means to call. Exodus 31 actually is a story of two guys. The Bible says that these two guys were filled with the Spirit, and the way that they expressed them being filled with their, the Spirit was they were expert craftsmen. That's what they were. They were men that were filled with the Spirit, but were incredible craftsmen. How many of you have seen the, uh, story, uh, the movie Chariots of Fire? Old school movie, Chariots of Fire. It's a story about an Olympian who was an athletic Olympic runner. His name was um, Eric Liddell. And uh, he loved Jesus. Christian man, loved God, wanted to be a missionary. And uh, his sister came to him and said, um, you should be a missionary. You should be going to the mission field, to China. You shouldn't be going to the Olympics. You should be going to China. And this is what he said. And I think this is so great for us when we're talking about work and what we're called to do. He said this, I believe God made me for a purpose, but I also believe that God made me fast. And when I run fast, I feel his pleasure. I feel his pleasure. See, some of you think of your work this way. When you do your work, you feel his pleasure. You just feel like what I'm doing right now is what God has called me to do. And when you're doing it, you're doing it well. And you just feel like this is what God has called me to do. And this is a way that you worship God because work is worship. What we finished here was worship. But when you leave here Monday through Friday and you go work, that's worship as well. And, and for many of you, you feel like you're worshiping the Lord in that. But if we're honest, the majority of you do not feel that way towards your job. You feel like your job is draining and exhausting and you hate it. And the only reason you do it is to put bread on the table. It's the only reason. If you could trade it in, you would. If you could do something different, you would. And for many of you, you're exhausted it, and the reason that is, is because that's the effect of the fall. See, work was meant to be pleasurable. Work was meant to be worshipful. But when Adam and Eve fell and, and sin entered into the world, the one thing that God cursed was what? Work. He said two things he cursed. He cursed the woman in the laboring of children. It's going to be painful now. And then he also said, and Adam, everything you put your hands to will now it's going to be hard. You're going to have to toil for this, and it's going to be much. And so for many of us, that's what it's like. Work is like that for us. It's toilsome and draining and exhausting. We're going to talk specifically about that because that's going to be something that I think God speaks to as well. But we've got to lay down the foundation first and foremost that your work is your worship. You worship more Monday through Friday than you do for the 30 minutes you do here on Sunday. You worship more. The Bible says we can worship while we eat. Come on, how many love worshiping the Lord like that? <clears throat> I, I am an expert worshiper when it comes to the eating of worship. <clears throat> Number two, let's walk this. Who you work for 
is way more important than what you do. Who you work for is way more important than what you do. Let's go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 through 24. It's going to be on the screen. It's also in your notes. But let's, I want us to read this together. Colossians 3 says this, whatever you do, you might want to underline that, whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily. Work heartily. As for what? Come on, say this with me. As for who? As for the Lord and not for men. This is really important. Not for men. As for the Lord, not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord. Christ. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Understand this, at your job, you have a higher boss. You have a higher boss than your boss. And you have a greater reward than a paycheck. Greater reward than a paycheck. The way we bring the gospel into our work is we understand that our work is not done for our boss, our work is done for the Lord. The, way, the reason we work the way we work is because we have a high standard of excellence because God deserves my best. And I am offering my work as unto the Lord, as unto him. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, why? He made, a, he made this observation. He said, why are the valleys of the earth that are undiscovered, meaning no human eye has ever seen them, why are those valleys still filled with beautiful flowers? Why does God put flowers in a field that nobody will ever see? And this is his uh, thoughts behind that. He said, because God does some things simply for his own pleasure. And he sees even when no one else does. See, you may be saying, well, my boss is a jerk. And you may be right. You may say, well, he doesn't appreciate me. And he doesn't pay me what I'm worth. And he treats me like dirt. And listen, I, I know that's hard. I'm not saying by any means that that's easy. But here's the truth. You're not doing it for him anyways. You're not doing it for him anyways. You're doing it for God. Do you feel underpaid? Do you feel underappreciated at your job? Guess what? Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Jesus had the most underpaid, underappreciated job in the world, and he stayed faithful because he had a different boss. He had a different boss. So the gospel informs us to understand that who we work for is way more important than what we do. You're not working for your boss. You're not working for anybody other than Jesus. And Paul is saying that this is one of the things that sets us apart as Christians, that we do our work for the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink or mop floors or stock shelves or sell coffee or write contracts or go out to a job site, whatever you're doing, you should do it all for the glory of God. That means that Christians should be some of the hardest workers in the world. It, it saddens my heart to know that there's a lot of bosses who will not hire Christians because they're lazy. They're lazy. They think everybody owes them something. The worst part is, is, is I've heard of Christian businesses that don't want to work with other Christian businesses because the other Christian businesses always want like a discount. They always think like, oh, you know, we're Christians. You should always just give me a discount. That's not how it works, though. As, as Christian businesses, we, we give generously. We'll get into that in just a minute. But, but more than anything, we should, we should be the first to show up. We should be the last to leave. We should be the hardest workers. We should say when our bosses are going who should we give a raise to? They should be giving raises to every Christian because they outwork everybody else. They have the most joyous attitude in the hardest of times. They're a peculiar people, as the Bible says. We should be that. We should be that. We work for a different boss, and we have a greater reward than a paycheck. We don't work for the weekend. We don't work for the paycheck. We work for Jesus. Jesus is our greatest boss. And Jesus ultimately has greater treasures for us in heaven than we will ever get on this earth. Number three, let's keep flying. How you work 
shows who you worship. This one might get a little hairy. How you work shows who you worship. Lack of integrity is nothing new in the workplace, but work that worships God should always be done to the highest standards of excellence and ethics because we seek to demonstrate the integrity of God. So we are a people full of integrity in the way that we work. Proverbs 11.1, read this with me. It says, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. So what is a false balance? Let me, let's, let's just make this real simple in work terms. Fudging a mileage report, that's a false balance. Padding your business expenses, that's a false balance. Skipping out on your time cards and not punching it in when you should, that's a false balance. Calling in sick when you're not, that's a false balance. Taking office supplies for your own use, that's a false balance. Not reporting income, that's a false balance. Not paying your taxes, that's a false balance. And so all of these, according to this, are an abomination to the Lord. And so if you want the blessings of God on your life, we've got to live and we've got to work with integrity and honesty and character. Our bosses should be able to trust us. They should be able to go, oh, you know what, I'm gone. I totally trust them. They're not going to steal from me. They're not going to backstab me. They're not going to talk about me. They're going to honor me. And, and, and that's not saying that your boss is honorable. Your boss may not be honorable at all. He may be exactly dishonoring you. But we as Christians, yet again, have, we serve a different boss. We serve a different God. And so because we serve God and because we, we have our inheritance in him, we, we look to him and it impacts the way that we worship. Now, let me give you a quick tip. And this, this is, this is going to be a tip for definitely every high schooler in here, but it's probably a tip for everybody else. You want to raise? How many want to raise? Raise your hand. If you would like a raise, raise your hand. If you're not, you're lying. You can stay pole. Um, if you want to raise, let me give you a tip. Don't ask for more money. Ask for more responsibility. And you'll get a raise. You want to raise? Don't ask for money. Now, there's times where you have to. I understand all that. But how would it be if you walked into your boss's office and said, give me more? What is on your plate that I can take off your plate that I can bless you? What are ways that I can help improve this company more? I guarantee you, if you do that, your boss will be like, we've got to pay this guy more. Because I can't, I can't lose him. I can't lose him. So if you want to move up in the company, ask for more responsibility. Every boss is looking for somebody who wants to take more responsibility. But guess what? We live in a culture where everybody wants to shuck their responsibility. Give me as less as I, I can possibly do, but give me more money. Are you serious? You want to work less and get paid more? Uh-uh. It don't work that way. It don't work that way. You want to get paid more? You need to do more. You need to do more. You do it with a character, and you do it with honesty, and you do it with an integrity. So that's how we, we live. That's how we work. Psalms 15. I love this. Psalms 15, 1 through 5. It says, God, who gets invited to the dinner at your place? Who gets invited to your house? And this is what God says. This is the message version. He says this. How do we get on your guest list, God? And this is his list of how we get on his guest list. We walk straight. We act right. We tell the truth. We don't hurt your friends. Don't blame your neighbors. Don't despise or despise the despicable. Watch this. Keep your word even when it costs you. Make an honest living. Never take a bribe. And you'll never get blacklisted if you live like this. Oh, that's so good. This is how we're called to work. We keep our word. We make an honest living. We never take a bribe. We don't blame people. We don't gossip. We, don't, we are different. We are a different people. And how you work shows who you worship. How you work shows if you worship yourself or if you worship Jesus. Because self-centered worship works only for self. My gain. Hey, can you help out your employee with this? No, that's not my job. I don't do that. That's your job. Self-centered. Guess who you worship? You worship yourself. You worship yourself. Christ-centered, gospel-centered people 
are willing to lay down their lives for their employees, for their employers, and for people in general. That's what we do because we demonstrate him in doing it. Amen? Number four. Work to give, not just to get. If you want to bring God the gospel into your work, work to give, not just to get. Famous quote. I don't know, I, I don't know who it came from, but I've heard it so many times now. You make a living by what you get. You make a life by what you give. You make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. To follow Jesus means that you think about your life the way he thought about his. And how did Jesus think about his life? I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. So guess how we work? We work to give our lives as a ransom. We work in a way that we offer ourselves to serve others. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Man, this is such a good verse. Such a good verse. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, whose sake? Your sake. Your sake. For your sake he became poor. So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus was rich. For your sake he became poor. So that you, by his poverty might become rich. Where would you be if Jesus hadn't leveraged his position entirely, if he had leveraged his position entirely for himself? Where would we be? If Jesus had came to this earth and said, you know what, everything that I have is gonna be for me. Let me ask you this. This might be a little bit more challenging where would you be, where would people be if Jesus leveraged his position the way we leverage ours? God's called us to leverage everything that we have to bless and serve others just like Jesus did. If you're a business owner in here, you need to be asking, how can my business not just enrich myself, but how can it be a blessing to others? If you're an employee, you should be viewing your job as how, not only how can I make a paycheck, but how can I be a blessing to others? How can I be a blessing to others in this place? How can I be a blessing to owners in Shoney's? How can I be a blessing to owners in my offshore job? How can I be a blessing to others? How can I find ways to serve others? Let me just say this. Making money is not bad. By all means, it's not bad. You need it. We need it to survive. Money's neutral. It's not bad or good. It's neutral. It becomes bad or good by how you use it and by how it uses you. <laughs> but making money's not bad. But here's where it gets bad. Money is bad when it stops at you and it doesn't roll past you to be a blessing to others. See, God's designed you to make money not just for yourself, but to be a blessing. Amen. Not just to be blessed, but to be a blessing. And so, I'm going to tell you right now, the curse happens when you think money is just for you to be blessed. But the blessing happens when you realize that being blessed is all about what it can go through me more than it can just get to me. And I know, just seeing God's faithfulness in my own life, the more you allow it to get through you, the more he gets to you. Because then you're a faithful steward of everything that he's given you. And so I want to give more money to somebody who's more of a faithful steward than I do somebody that's going to just hold on to something and not give it to anybody. I'm going to pour out everything that I possibly can into people that are going to constantly be giving it away. Because in giving it away, the Bible says, he who waters, he himself will be watered. You want to know how you begin to allow your finances to change? Give it away. Give it away. Bless people. I tell our staff all the time, we will always err on the side of generosity. Always. People take us for 
advantage. They take advantage of us. They come in and say, you know, people come in all the time and need a handout and need something that's going on. And we, we have a process, a due process in how we, you know, give money and, or give blessings. We don't really give money, but give blessings to people. We have a process within that. But at the end of the day, we just always err on the side of generosity. We're always just going to be a generous people. We're always going to be a generous church. Because we work not to give, we work, we don't, we work to give, not just to get. You know, statistically, the average Christian gives 2.4% of their money. 2.4 to the kingdom of God. Do you know how much the average person, American, not Christian, the average American gives to charity? 2%. The average Christian gives 2.4. The average American gives 2 Is something wrong with that? The people who have experienced the most generous, gracious God give 0.4% more than people that don't know Jesus. God, that's sad. You know what I love about that? That's not this church. It's not this church. You give a lot more than that. Because you've understood how gracious you are and how gracious God has been to you. Our gener- Here's the deal about work. Our generosity needs to be so large that people think you're crazy. That you give money away. Why do you give so much money? Because I believe in a kingdom and an inheritance that you don't see. Those who truly experience the gospel start becoming more and more like it. And the gospel is, is that Jesus came to give his life away. And guess what? When we experience that, that, that from God, we want to give our lives away. Everywhere. And definitely in our work. So we work not to give. We work to give, not just to get. And last but not least, number five. And we'll spend a little time here. Work ultimately for the question. Now, we, we, we understand we work for God. Uh, we, we've already established that. But what does it mean to work ultimately for the question? You see, some people work for the paycheck and some people work for the weekend and you ought to work for the question. That's your goal. So here's the, here's the question. What's the question? I'm glad you asked. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you, what is this? What is he asking you? For a reason for what? For the hope that's in you. As a boss, as an employee, as a mom, as a dad, we are to live in such a way that honors Christ that it provokes a question. Provokes a question. What does honoring Christ look like? Well, honoring Christ really is the, if you do the the four things above what we just talked about, then people will ask. If If you understand that your work is as worship, and you worship God as you work. Now, I don't mean like you, you blast like some Sandy Patty as you're worshiping, as you're working. Um, which if you blast Sandy Patty, we, we need to update you. Um, but you work as worship. If you, if you understand that your work is worship. If you understand that who you work for is more important, important than what you do. If you understand that, that what you do and how you work is important. And you work with integrity and character. And if you understand that everything that you're working for is not just for your own benefit, but to give away, trust me, people will be asking you, what in the world is going on with you? Why do you do this? Why do you do this? Why do you have joy on hard days? Why do you give, why did you give that that employee grace and forgiveness when they didn't deserve it? Why did you stay the extra hours even though you didn't clock in for any of it? See, Joseph showed the beauty of God in the midst of pain. Listen, your neighbors are not going to be amazed at God when you have something that bring, when, when you have something that you've earned. 
okay? People aren't going to be amazed at God because you, you drive a nice car or you have a lot of money. People are going to be amazed at God when they understand that you have something greater than money and you have something that brings you joy that's greater than a vehicle, that's greater than a house. That's what amazes people that it's not the stuff that you have, but it's the stuff that's in you that you have. Are y'all with me? That's what amazes people. That you can walk through, thank you for the one little thing, I appreciate that. I'm preaching a lot better than you're responding. Um, People are amazed, I'm telling you, I've preached more better sermons in the hospital than I have right here. People are watching you when you go through difficult times. And they want to see if you're going to handle the difficulty the exact same way that they do. And if you do it the exact same way they do, times are rough, times are hard, and you're boudin and complaining and talking bad about your boss and talking bad about it. Guess what? You're doing everything that they do, so why do they need to go to church? Because you respond exactly the same way they do. But when you go to work and they know that your finances are tight and they know that, that bills are there and they know that you don't know how you're going to make it and, and especially if you're a business owner and you've you got employees around you and you're, and you're over there going, man, we're going to trust God. We're going to see God do something. You do things like that and you show up to work and you're full of joy. Them knowing that, that life is hard or maybe that you got a diagnosis that you didn't want or maybe stuff is happening in your home and they know that because they work with you so they know what's going on. They're with you 50% of the week. They understand all that but when they see you with a joy that's beyond you, when they see a hope that's beyond you, they are amazed and they beg to question why. Amen. Why? Maybe your job won't let you preach the gospel to people, but I guarantee you if you work like a Christian is supposed to work, you will get plenty of opportunities to preach the gospel. Plenty of them. Unfortunately, nowadays, I tell young guys this all the time, if you want to move up in the company, show up early, work hard, be faithful, don't gossip, and you will stick out like a sore thumb. That's the sad thing because... That's how it used to be, and that was normal. Nowadays, people don't show up. They never turn in. They come in late. They don't, they don't. That's the generation that we have. So I'm telling you, all this, my generation and the ones that are coming up, work hard, be faithful, have a joyful spirit, don't cheat, don't gossip, and you will move up faster than you even imagined. People are looking for people like this. They're looking for employees like this. And, and you don't even have to tell them that you love Jesus. It'll show. But when they ask, you get a chance to tell. Amen. You know why? Because they're going to they're gonna ask. They're going to ask. When you're in a job that you don't like, remember it's the job that God placed you in. And you need to show the world that God cares about your work. And the way you work shows Jesus to these people. See, we want to work in such a way that it provokes people to ask the question, why do you do what you do? Let's be honest. When is the last time somebody came up to you and said, the way you suffer, the way you serve, the way you work diligently, why? Why? If they're not asking that, then I've got to evaluate the way that I'm working. Because hopefully, the way that we work is way different than the way somebody that doesn't know Jesus works. Let me, let me even bring this to the table. Maybe God made you good at the skill that you have so you could take Jesus to places that don't know him. Maybe the reason that you have the skill that you have is so you can go into these places that I'll never go. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Maybe I'm giving the end of my message, but you're just as called as I am, if not more. Because, see, I'm around a bunch of staff that are, that are hopefully saved. No, they're saved. They're saved. They're saved. Um, well, it depends what day you come in. But uh, 
Just being real. Um, but I'm around a bunch of saved people all day long. But you're not. You're not. You're around some broken, hurting, dysfunctional, messed up people. And guess what? The hope that is in you, the Jesus that lives in you, you get to go be Jesus to people. What better thing to do than to go to a workplace that is jacked up and to know that what is in you could transform people's lives? My brother and my sister-in-law, um, my, my, my sister-in-law is a doctor. Um, she went to school for all that. She's a pediatrician, and um, they live in OKC. My brother is a, is a church planner, but he's also working in the medical field. And uh, one of their desires has always been that as they progress in schooling and as they get their uh, degrees and, and as they get into the field of medicine, that they would be able to then leverage that to share the gospel with people. And last week, my brother and my sister-in-law just got back from a, a country that I, I cannot name because this country, if they find out that you're Christians, will do really bad things to you. And they went for 10 days with their entire family, two little girls, drove, flew in four different planes and took over 20-something hours to get there to train medical staff there how to be doctors and how to care for patients, and in the midst of all that, to share the gospel with people. That's leveraging a skill and a gift for the gospel. God, I'm gonna take whatever gift you give me, whatever skill you give me, and I'm gonna use it for your glory. But ultimately, more than anything, I want people to know Jesus through my work. God did not give you the skill that you have just for you. He gave it for the blessings of others, but also for his name to be known. Do what you do well. Do what you do well for the glory of God. Do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. Do what you do well for the glory of God, but do what you do, do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. Why is our main focus in life where I'm going to live, where I'm going to work, and where I'm going to make the most money? Let me, let me give you a different perspective. John Piper, <laughs> he said this, Lot moved to Sodom not for ministry but for money. It didn't turn out too well. Be careful how you choose where to live and where to work. What if, what if, we chose our homes and our jobs not supremely just based off of money, but based off of where we could be most effective for his mission. Wow. What if we were to leverage all of this for his mission? Let me give a word of warning, though, in this. We need to worship God and not our work. Worship God and not your work. See, when Adam and Eve fell, our relationship to work changed. And instead of worshiping God and serving others, work became our identity, our idolatry, and our security. That is why most people define themselves by what they do. Here's point in case. You meet somebody for the first time. What's the first two questions you ask them? What's your name? And what do you do? Where do you work? Why? Because we build our identity based off of what we do. So that is what we tell people all the time. You know, I, I do this, I, I do that. And those are fine that you do those things, but too often that has become our identity. And so that is why when somebody loses their job, they lose their identity. Because so much of it was wrapped around what they did. But know this, God doesn't look at what you do. He looks at who you are. Amen. And you can go do something else. But he's more concerned about who you are. 
And so we find our identity oftentimes in our job. We find idolatry in what we do because we idolize it and make it such a a big deal. And then more than anything, it becomes our security. We depend on our job to be our security and to take care of us and not realizing that God is the ultimate security. He is faithful. He will take care of his children. Are y'all with me here? So we need jobs and we understand all that and job security is very important, but understand that it's not your soul security. It's not your soul identity and it's not your soul, your soul idolatry. God is worthy to be worshiped and worship makes a terrible, I mean work makes a terrible God, but God makes a great God. And if God took you and he saved you and he reconciled you back to himself, don't you think that he will take care of your needs? Because here's, here's what we gotta understand. When Jesus is your life, you can enjoy the rest of your life. When Jesus is your life, you can enjoy the rest of your life. So in God's eyes, pastors are no more important than teachers. This church needs writers and performers and artists and politicians and businessmen. We need men that work in the oil field. We need teachers. We need uh, women that work in the business realm. We need managers. We need people of every craft and every trade because here's the deal. Ultimately, if we are going to make disciples in this area, it's not going to be done by me. It's going to be done by you in your trade, in your field, and where you are. And so here's the Here's the the culmination of all this. You are missionaries. You may not go across the world, but you are going to go across the street, and you are going to go to your business, and you are going to go to your school, and you are Jesus' hands, feet, and mouth in that place. And I pray, I pray, I pray that you walk into your jobs this week with a new perspective going, God, you've put me here. It's amazing. The jobs that we pray for are the jobs we complain about. God, give me a job. Okay, here you go. God, I hate this job. <laughs> like if I was God, I would have slapped you by now. He's so, so gracious. Thank, I'm glad I'm not God. Um, <laughs> suck it up. <laughs> uh, but isn't it funny how that happens? What we pray for, God, would you just provide for our family? I am. You have a job. Yet in all this, we've got to come with a different perspective now. What would it look like if we walked to work understanding that I'm a missionary in this hospital? I'm a missionary in Steins. I'm a missionary on this platform. And I'm going to shine for Jesus in the way that I work, in the way that I talk, in what I do. Would you do this? Would you, would you, this may seem kind of weird, but would you take your hands and cup them like this right in front of you? Would you do this with me? And as you look into your hands, would you do this? Would you just kind of mentally, would you place your job? Would you place the money that you make? Would you place all of your possessions and all that? Would you just kind of, Mentally, just put that in your hands. Just place all that there. And then would you do this? Would you, would you close your hands? Now understand, we're, this is symbolism, but everything that is in your hands is in your control. It's all yours. And God today is wanting us to realize this, that it's really not ours. But too often... This is our view when it comes to things. God, you gave it to me. God, you give me this, you give me this, and we hold on to it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe today that God wants to give you a new perspective and that you would open your hands and say, God, this is yours. This is your job. This is your money. This is your possession. This is your position. This is everything that I have is yours. My family is yours. My husband is yours. My children are yours. I want to live open-handed before you. And I believe that when we do that, there's so much blessing that comes with that. But yet again, we don't give to get. We get to give. And we want to give our lives away as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Romans 12.1. We live to worship the Lord. 
And know this, you will worship the Lord tomorrow morning when you go to work more than you did here for 20 minutes. But I pray that what you learn here in these two hours transforms the way that you work Monday through Friday. Here's the truth. If what we do on Sunday doesn't change Monday, let's just stay home. If what happens in this two hours does not change your week, let's just go fishing. Okay, I'll go fishing. I'm out. I'm, out. I'm game. Anybody wants to take me, I'm, I'm just saying. Um, we've got to have a different perspective when it comes to work. If you want to be an effective witness, you've got to take your work seriously and you've got to understand that it's a gift from the Lord. And no matter if it's in a terrible place with a terrible job, guess who gets to show your boss Jesus? You do. But it first has to come with us getting before the Lord and letting God do something in our own heart. We've got to be changed in order to bring change. You've got to be changed. You can't give anything that you don't have. So that's why it's so important for us to get in the presence of Jesus. I would challenge you this week, before you get to your workplace, that you would find some worship music or maybe even just turn off your music and on your way to work, you just pray and get your heart right before the Lord. And you start, listen, instead of, start, instead of complaining about your boss, you pray for him. Instead of complaining about these people that are just driving you crazy, you pray for them. And guess what the Bible says? He who curses you, you, you bless them. That's crazy. Who does that? Jesus does. And he's called you too, too. Amen? Mm. Mm -hmm -hmm. If you flip over the back of your note cards, you're going to see something extremely practical. 20 ways for you to bring the gospel to your work. I would challenge you this week, maybe even today, to go through those and to begin to highlight or circle things that you can start doing right now. Right now. Go through them. Find ways to begin to implement those things. I promise you, if you will begin to start taking some of those just even some, I'm not talking about all of them, just some of them, and you were to just start doing some of those, it would change. And more importantly, your heart would change towards the place that you are. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Mm. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, as your people, we, we want to first come to you and, and repent. God, we want to repent of the things that we have done that has not honored you in the way that we work. And God, we just say we're sorry. Would you change us? God, would you give us a, a, a different perspective and a different attitude? And God, change our hearts. God, I know that there's people that are in here, God, that are, are working a job that is just miserable. God, it's just been frustrating, and the, the people that they're working with, and working for, it's been hard. But God, I pray that you would give them a grander view of why you have them there. God, it's more than money. It's mission. It's mission. And you've called all of us to be on mission. You've called all of us to go into the world and to preach the gospel. And God, what greater way for us to do that than the way that we work. God, we, we come and we acknowledge your grace that has been so evident in our lives. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you are good. We thank you, God, that you've been so faithful and so gracious to us. And God, we give you praise for that. God, help us to be the workers that you've called us to be, that you've created us to be, that we would view our work as worship to you. God, no matter if we're filing taxes, or stuffing shelves, God, no matter if we're pouring concrete or 
God doing something offshore or in a classroom with students. God, that we would view that as you working through us. And we get to be your light into this dark world. Thank you for that honor. Thank you for that privilege. God, we bless you today.